Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Ahoy hoy. Hello. (laughs) This is Liz Bentley coming to you live from a Sheraton hotel about 20 minutes, not even 15 minutes from my house. Uh, This is Friday evening. We are here because our power went out and it's like 15 degrees out. I am hopefully leaving for Seattle in the morning. And so actually it's kind of better we're here because we're right off the highway now and where my house is, it's like a super long, windy, twisty road. (laughs) That's really actually terrible to drive down. It's scary every day of my life. It's not great. Um, Like, and it's really the only way to get in or out (laughs) for where we need to go. So this is actually better. Our power did come back on a little bit ago, but we're all already settled in. um, So we're just going to stay. Also, the wind is still howling like 50 miles per hour right now. So we don't trust that our power won't go back off. It went off this afternoon, which sucks because I was actually like on a roll. I had done most of my notes I was going to record but I still needed to finish my notes and then that went out and the rest of the afternoon was just terrible but it's fine now it's really funny there is a large orthodox family I'm assuming like the entire extended family here doing like a Hanukkah Shabbos thing which I walked in and just like everybody there were 25 orthodox people in the lobby I was really laughing I was talking to one woman I was like oh where are you from my best friend's in the Richmond community and she told me where she was from (laughs) and then we were in the elevator with just some Jewish guy and as he got off we were like good Shabbos and he was like what and started laughing (laughs) as like the elevator door closed so of course like I'm oh where I live has like very very few Jewish people if you go 30 minutes closer to the city like to right outside the city there's a town called Lower Marion and that has a lot of Jewish people a lot of Orthodox Jewish people and then there's this area called like the main line which is a train that runs from Philly down to a town called Malvern and as you get further out down the main line from the city the less Jewish people there are and where we are has very few Jewish people. So it was like, and definitely no Orthodox Jewish people, uh, because Orthodox people live by an Orthodox shul, and there is not an Orthodox shul here. So it was definitely like, whoa, <laughs> to walk into them. I have no idea, like, why they chose this. Actually, I bet I do. I bet half the family lives in Baltimore, and half the family lives in New York and New Jersey. And so this is like a nice hour and a half under two hours from both of them. I would actually bet a lot of money. That's why they did it. Maybe I'll talk to them again. Um, I'm sitting on the floor currently because I can hear every single word that the people in the room next to me are saying. I like, I'm not exaggerating every single word. If I was staying here for more than, I'm not going to be in this room for more than 12 hours. I would ask to switch, I think, because it's so <laughs> loud. But I hope they like listening to me record feathers in my hair. Maybe they'll become new fans. <laughs> oh my God, this is such a mess. I'm just praying that my flight gets out. Um, By the time you hear this, hopefully I'll be snuggled up in Seattle. Oh gosh. Um. Okay, so first of all, Merry Christmas. 
<laughs> this is coming out on Christmas. Merry Christmas. If you want to hear more from me, please go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. This week I had Kara on from Everyone's Business But Mine, dear, dear friend of the pod, Kara. And we recorded an episode on Southern Charm, specifically season three, episode 11, which is Thomas's dinner party. It is truly one of my like favorite episodes of reality TV television. It was so fun to record. Kara and I were just like hysterically laughing the whole time and doing terrible southern accents and just we were it was just really funny so I think it was such a good episode I love when I record an episode I'm like fuck that was good and that's definitely how I felt after recording that episode I actually felt that way after net my Nexium episode which was last week I were like Fiona and I hung up and I was like that was good damn so I guess I'm on like a Patreon roll right now I wish I felt that way about every podcast but I just don't right upcoming uh hopefully is going to be I always say hopefully because <laughs> things happen uh but hopefully I will be recording an episode on the Casey Anthony documentary I was just texting with some people about it one of my group chats was going on about it and I, one of the things I find most interesting about Casey Anthony is how many people seem in her life to like be obsessed with her. Like Casey has so many friends and they're all like fiercely loyal to her. And I'm really very fascinated by that. So I'm excited to talk about Casey. Um, if you haven't watched a Peacock documentary, the docuseries, it's only three episodes, which I approve of. You guys know I don't like a docuseries. They're too many. They're too long. But it's only three episodes. I wouldn't say I learned like new information about her because I read a Reddit post like eight years ago on Unresolved Mysteries. I'm sure if you Google Casey Anthony Unresolved Mysteries pool, this will come up. It's seven or eight years old. That really like laid out the case as being an accidental drowning that I was like, yeah, that's what I believe happened. Like, I, they really convinced me. I always thought her dad was a creep. So I wouldn't say like I came away being like, wow, I have a real different opinion on Casey Anthony. But I find her to be fucking fascinating. She very much is like Nancy Salzman from The Vow, from Nexium, who I talked about two weeks ago. And I want Nancy and Casey to do an EM session together, which is Nexium's version of like Scientology auditing. That I would really like to see. I would like that to be filmed and I would like to see that. <laughs> okay, that said, it's patreon.com slash Liz Explains, by the way, if I didn't say that. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, goodness gracious. My stepdad is going out to get dinner. They're in a obviously a different room and he's going to the place I used to work and bringing me back food, which is nice, but I don't know when that's going to happen, when that will come knocking. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I believe a reunion episode of this week. I did not watch it. You guys know how I feel about reunion episodes. I'm definitely not going to recap just one reunion show unless something crazy happens at it. So we went back in the Teen Mom archives. We are back to OG. I watched two episodes, although I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I don't know what's going on. I watch these on Paramount Plus. By the way, if you want to watch old Teen Mom episodes, Paramount Plus has all of them. I don't know like what the most recent season is, but they have all of them. They have Teen Mom three. They have, I think they have Teen Mom. I haven't double checked that, but. Paramount Plus is actually pretty good in that I really like um, The Good Wife. 
And I kind of like The Good Fight, but The Good Wife, the first two seasons specifically, are like one of my comfort shows. It's one of my comfort shows. So I already had a Paramount Plus subscription, but they do have all the Teen Mom episodes. But the issue is I put on episode 10 of season five and I was like, fuck, why is this episode so long? It was an hour and two minutes or something, which I think of the normal one is 42 minutes. It's like, why is this so long? But like not that much happened. And then I put on the next episode and I realized it was like a new season, except I'm it was an A and B season, obviously. But I think a reunion special would have aired. So I don't I don't quite know what's going on with that. <laughs> like and they're talking extensively about filming the reunion in episode 10. So not sure where that lives, uh, but. I'm going to talk about, I guess, the final episode of season 5A and the first episode of season 5B. Okay, I actually just hit pause and I saw that Tory Lanez was found guilty, which I am thrilled for. I'm actually pretty genuinely shocked. If you have not been following, rapper Tory Lanez shot Megan Thee Stallion in 2020. It's She has been treated like absolute dirt this entire time. Everybody's called her a liar. I'm so glad to see her get justice. The thing with this trial is that it was actually pretty hard to follow because it wasn't live streamed like Amber Rose, Amber Rose, <laughs> like Amber and Johnny Depp. So you really had to like reply, rely on what people were tweeting. And at first I was only seeing tweets from accounts that I know are not reputable, like this thing called No Jumper, which is run by a literal rapist. So I was like, well, I don't want to I, I don't know where to go for information Finally, there was a reporter that I found to be pretty good. Um, somebody recommended I look at her Twitter. And so I'd been following that. And based on what I was reading, I didn't think he'd be found guilty because it was fucking confusing. Like, really, like I if I was on the jury, I don't know if I would have been able to vote guilty. But that's only based on the tweets. Right. Like, I'm not in the courtroom. I'm not hearing how the the witnesses sound. I'm not hearing how the defense sounds. I'm not hearing how the DA sounds. So like, I'm really, really glad that the DA made a good case. It just maybe didn't come across on Twitter so well, which is fine, right? Like it doesn't need to come across on Twitter so well. Uh, apparently Tori's father and stepmother like freaked the fuck out when the verdict was read and was screaming that this justice system is evil and wicked and screaming fuck Jay-Z and Rock Nation. <laughs> oh gosh, I do like to see a bad person get just like get served justice. I'm really happy for Megan the Stallion. I've always believed her. If you don't, don't come into my Instagram comments and say you didn't because I don't care. I do not care and I'll probably block you. <laughs> like you, there are plenty of other spaces on the internet in which you can go. Like go on over to the shade room. Go on to Twitter, go on to any TikTok account and write about how you're mad that Meg lied and that Tory's guilty on Meg lying. Like there are so many places on the Internet that you can do that. And that that's just not going to exist in my comment section. So congrats. to Well, not really congrats to Megan the Stallion. That is not the correct phrase to say, but I'm happy for Megan the Stallion. One funny thing is that the reporter I found, her name is Megan, and I saw somebody tweet Megan the reporter, and like now it's all I can think about with her. Uh, but yeah, that's really good news. I like seeing good news. 
Okay, back to Teen Mom, the show that I cover. (laughs) So let's start with Macy because obviously not much happens to Macy in these two episodes. Macy is heavily, heavily pregnant and turn Taylor by a house. Like that's really all that happens. They talk about engagement. Macy is like, I want to be engaged. I want to be engaged. But Taylor is not ready. I don't know. I <laughs> I will never understand people in general. Like I, I just don't understand like buying a house together, having a baby together, but like not yet being ready for marriage. I understand if like you don't care about getting married or you're like not sure you want to get married. I have a friend that's pregnant right now and she's been with her boyfriend for a really long time. And I was like, so are you guys going to get married? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I was like, she's like, I guess. Like, And that, so it's not like she's not getting married because like her boyfriend doesn't, isn't ready for it. She just like, doesn't, she just doesn't sure that she isn't sure that she like wants to get married which is totally fine. The heat just kicked on and it's so loud. Oh my God. Just like turned it down. I'm sorry. I think it's going to kick off in a second. I can't be expected to work under these conditions. Okay. What I was saying is that I get not getting married. Like I do not judge people who don't get married. I just don't understand like if you, if marriage is what you want, right? (laughs) And you are living together. You're buying a home together. You're having a baby together. (laughs) Like why marriage isn't on the table. And they don't get married for another, I guess it's, or engaged. I guess it's not that long because she's newly newly pregnant with um, Maverick when she finds out, but like newly to her pregnant. So it's probably like seven months from the date of that episode airing. It's so crazy how fast she gets pregnant. (laughs) Oh, Macy, Macy, Macy. I will say though, in the second episode, Jade is six weeks and they do one of those mud run things. And Macy does that whole fucking thing six weeks after giving birth. Like I, (laughs) I was really impressed. She fucking powered through that. I was like, damn girl, like she just pushed a baby out. So I mean, good for Macy for that. The second episode is a little more interesting. Well, first of all, it opens (laughs) with a scene of Macy talking to Bentley. And she goes, Benny, come here. Remember, Bentley was pulled off the show last season. She goes, remember how you weren't on the show last season? And he goes, "Mm mm-hmm, in his cute little Bentley face. And she goes, but people still knew who you were, right? They knew who you were, even though you weren't on the show. Like, they knew that you were on TV and they knew who you were. So I think we're just, like, going to have you film this year. (laughs) Girl, what? (laughs) I think what she realized is that filming a reality television show about your life and about parenting is hard to do if you're not showing your child on screen. Like, it's just, it's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) It's difficult to film around your life and like not have Bentley there. Make sure that MTV is editing him out of everything. It makes sense for him to be on the show. But I love that she's not just like admitting that she threw a hissy fit and doesn't want to go out of her way anymore. Like that's really what it was, right? Like Macy was the one that was basically facing consequences for her behavior and having to deal with having Bentley off the show was annoying for her. But she's framing it as like, oh, we're just doing this because people already know who he is anyway, so who cares? (laughs) The other storyline is that that this is when they're like going hard on like Ryan 
is going to be in our family. Like we are family with Ryan. Jen and Larry are our family and we love them. So they decide to invite Ryan to this Tough Mudder event, which like, I, I don't know. I get what they're doing, right? Like obviously they want to have a good relationship. My thing is, it's like, you know, Ryan is never going to be your friend, right? Like, you have to know that. Ryan is an unreliable person. You don't really like Ryan very much. Like, Ryan isn't going to be your friend. So you guys don't need to hang out without Bentley there. Like, they weren't inviting them to do, like, a family get-together. They were inviting Ryan to something that Bentley wasn't going to be at. Also, like, something I don't think he was interested in doing anyway, <laughs> as as is evident when a little later when he doesn't show up. But I, I don't know. I thought that was weird. I guess the idea was like they were going to become friends with him and then Bentley would like see that they're friends and that that's good which I don't disagree that that's good but I to me it's like why not just invite him to the zoo like with Bentley like why do you need to have a friendship with him like outside of Bentley I that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me but in this episode she does say like oh, well, Jen and Larry are going to watch Jade, which we know happens a couple of times. And she says, you know, Jen and Larry are really my second parents. They came to the hospital the day Jade was born. And she's like, it meant so much to me. It really just like solidified that they feel about me the way that I feel about them and that like we are family. And this, this really I found to be kind of devastating to watch back. Honestly, I found it to be incredibly sad because First of all, in a world where Ryan isn't a drug addict, he's just an asshole, they probably could have kept up with this, right? Um, Because it wasn't about Ryan being an asshole. It's about like the safety of Bentley and it got to a point where it was unsafe for Bentley to be around his father. And if they could have like avoided that and it was just Ryan being an asshole, I think Jen Larry, Taylor, and Macy would have stayed close. But as we all know, the Edwards essentially picked Ryan over Bentley. And by Bentley, they also didn't pick Macy and Taylor. And I don't expect Jen and Larry to pick Macy over Ryan. That's that that's not what I'm saying. But it just made me feel deeply sad. I think if Jen watched this, she would feel really fucking sad. Just the state of their relationship, and it's all because of Ryan. And I do... I do get it to a point on their end because one, Ryan is their son. A lot of people are codependent. A lot of people enable. Jen and Larry are not the first people to have a child that's an addict and not do it the way that I think they should do it, right? Like they are not the first and they won't be the last. And I extend a lot of grace to people who have children, especially who have substance abuse disorders. It's an incredibly painful experience to be in. And I also understand that you know, Bentley is 13 now. He doesn't always want to go to Jen and Larry's anyway. Like that that every other weekend at Jen and Larry's would have fallen off anyway, as we see with Aubrey in the Lynns, because he is a kid with a busy life and his family lives in one home and he lives with them and he would have had a more normal relationship with his grandparents. I'm actually not sure right now where Benny is with Jen and Larry. Maybe they talked about it at the reunion that it seems like a reunion issue. But I can understand Jen and Larry being like, well, Ryan and Mackenzie 
have like control access to our two younger grandkids who are babies who they want us to watch them all the time and I know Jen really loves Huddles too little Hudson who is probably six or seven now I guess maybe eight even but Stella and Jagger those are their names I actually like the name Stella I think it's a pretty name but Jagger and Stella are both under three I'm pretty sure and I'm sure Jen helps a lot with them and it probably has those babies multiple times a week and I can understand the idea of it sounds so fucked up to say but essentially like sacrificing their relationship with Bentley for their relationship with Jagger and Stella because I would bet Ryan made it pretty clear if you try and create boundaries or you take Macy's side in any way, I, like you're cut off, like you're cut off from the other grandkids. And if on one hand, it's Bentley who you love dearly, and I don't think anybody doubts how much Jen and Larry love Bentley. Like they fucking love that kid. They helped raise him. He was there all of the time as a child. They were essentially co-parenting with Macy for years. But I can understand a situation in which Bentley is on one side and the other side is your only child. And I I do think that's really important to remember as well. Like Ryan is their only child. I think it's especially hard for parents of only children that have substance abuse disorders. It's it's just even more complex, right? So their only child and three grandchildren I that they can see all of the time. I can see how you would pick that side. And also, I want to clarify, like, I don't think Jen, at least, is consciously picking a side. Like, I I think if I had her sitting here next to me on the floor and I laid this out, she would say, no, that's not what happened. That's not what I did. But I bet if I had Macy sitting on the other side of me, she would say, that's exactly what fucking happened. He, that's exactly what she did. She chose Ryan and Mackenzie and their kids over Bentley. Um, It's just sad. It's just really sad. Oh, Ryan, I need him back on the show. <laughs> I need to see the Edwards. I want to know what's going on with them. <laughs> but even in this episode, so they invite Ryan to this thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go. They show up day of, they drop Jade off, Bentley's over there. And they're like, where's Ryan? And Ryan's still sleeping. They get back in the car and they're kind of like, what the fuck? Ryan pops up out of nowhere. And he's like, oh, it starts in 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I feel like ass. And Macy goes, you look like ass. Ryan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make it. I'll make it. I'll be up there. I'll meet you up there in 10 minutes. And then just never shows up, which is like truly the most opioid addict thing in the world. (laughs) To be like, we have plans for 10 minutes from now. We just saw him. He told us he would be there in 10 minutes. And then he never shows up. I mean, like classic right this is clearly Ryan is already deep in it at this point in time (sighs) Mackenzie comes around soon after this it's not they've been together for a while now so I guess we'll see Mackenzie pop up I think she pops up shortly right I I'm pretty sure she does I don't know it's just sad it's just really sad to watch I want I wish better for their family um and I wish that well, obviously, I wish that Ryan could get better because even if not for himself, like if he could get a little better, then maybe Macy, Jen, and Larry could have a relationship. But also, I think that's past, unfortunately. Okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about someone else. 
Okay, let's talk about Kate. And I will say something I noticed is like how much they don't talk about Carly anymore. Like when you watch these episodes, it is still so heavy on the Carly talk, like so heavy on the Carly talk and the Brandon and Teresa talk. Like in a way, it's like good for me to watch these old seasons because I'm like, damn, some of these people have grown. Some are exactly in the same place. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Some have not grown in any way, shape or form. But it's just so clear how much fuller Caitlin and Tyler's lives are now with their three daughters that are at home with them. And yeah, it makes me happy for them. So in the first episode, not really much happens, but um, Caitlin and Tyler are going on the doctors to talk about adoption. Is the doctor still on? I feel like every cast member of Team Mom went on the doctors at one point like that. (laughs) They just like all went on the doctors. And they are leaving Nova in the care of April. So there's a lot of talk about how great April is now. Okay, I had to switch to the bed. So sorry to the people behind me that can definitely hear everything I'm saying. Sorry if you can hear them in this. But my computer was dying in the outlet situation in this room. Doesn't make any fucking sense in that there's about 82 outlets near the beds, which I great love, love, love. But at the desk, there's no outlet. (laughs) Why is there not an outlet at your desk? Anyway, the doctors is out. Oh, we were talking about April. Okay. I I have questions about April. I still do. In this year, 2022. That's the last time I'll be saying that on Feathers My Hair. Oh, I have questions. At this point in time, she has been sober, question mark quotation marks for a little bit of time and they're gonna let April watch Nova while they go to California and I just (laughs) I don't think April should be around these kids unsupervised it's not so much the drugs and alcohol it is that it is that of course but I what like healing has April done to learn how to be a parent you know, like she still is incredibly immature seeming. She, it's not like she's worked on herself actively as far as I can tell. She just like has a new husband that she doesn't smoke crack with, which like great. That's great. That's really fucking good progress. But I do think that Caitlin and Tyler are a really interesting example of like what it means to not have like a village around you that's dependable and like to really have to uh, rely on people around you who if you had options you would not. I'm not sure Caitlin and Tyler would have viewed it that way at the time. Um, I mean they had a little bit of money now they definitely could have gotten a babysitter I'm sure but also like finding a multi-day babysitter for your infant. I think Nova's three months old at this point finding a babysitter for your infant is not easy. (laughs) So April's who they leave her with. And I mean, I personally don't, I'm not saying that's okay, right? Like it's not okay. They should not have done that. But I can also understand like how they could get themselves to justify doing it, right? Like I, I could see how they could get there. 
Um, but it's really worrying and it still worries me. And this season, didn't they have to pull her aside and tell her you can't be around the kids if you're drinking, which is good. That's good. But April shouldn't be doing like alone time <laughs> with them. They should not be leaving the baby, especially the baby alone with April. She doesn't have parenting skills. But I think that like, especially for Caitlin, and I think that with a lot of things, Tyler just kind of goes along with whatever Caitlin wants. Um, I think that with Caitlin, like for her, it's easier just to be like, mom's better. Mom's better now. No worries. Mom's better. We don't, we don't even have to think about this anymore. It's fine. We're fine. Nobody has to think about anything. <laughs> Which like, Caitlin, that's not really how it works. Uh, <laughs> I do there is something in my mind that tells me that April did go to visit her when she was in one of her treatment stays and they like did some group therapy, which is great. But I don't know. I It just, it, it, it wigs me out to know that they're leaving children with April and we know that they do that continuously for quite a long time. In this episode, there are lot, there's lots of talk about the reunion because Brandon and Teresa had like floated the idea that Carly may come to New York for the reunion and everybody is like so excited and it's really sad because Kate is like she she's just she's like no it's not gonna like she's like I'm not getting my hopes up I don't think it's gonna happen and everyone's like oh my god aren't you so excited aren't you so excited that Carly might be there and she's like Carly's probably not gonna be there so I'm like I'm not getting excited for it they want April to be able to come so April can see Carly and making all of these plans. And Teresa calls Kate and is like, <laughs> Carly's not coming. She does, like, Teresa does go, I guess. And they do, they are able to look on the bright side. And they're like, well, hopefully Teresa can, like, meet April again. I think they might have met in the hospital. But, like, maybe they can, you know, meet and she can see how much April's changed. And I'm like, God. Have you met Brandon and Teresa? I'm not so sure they're going to think so highly of April. <laughs> not so sure how that's going to work out. Um, yeah, I just, I'm not sure about it. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I just, uh, watching them, watching them deal with like the after, it's clear that Kate is like going into a dark place now. Like you can see it like creeping up. At least I, I think so. I might have, you know, hindsight glasses on. Um, in the second episode, Butch gets out. Butch gets out of prison after his four-year stint. It's when he has that, like, long, flowing gray hair. Uh, Tyler goes and picks him up. He's, like, styling. He's so hyped to be on MTV again. Like, Butch is living his best life. I forgot he was in there for four years. I may have already said four years but right after I said whatever, that gray hair thing, my stepdad came with food. So <laughs> I just stopped and ate some food. It was ribeye. It was good. I love steak. That's something to know. Anyway, where was I? Oh, so Butch, <laughs> for all of the grandkids, brings them home these little um, like sock puppets that he had made in prison. And I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before. Like I'm sure this has come up. But... I didn't really know this until I had a boyfriend that went to jail a lot because I like just didn't grow up in a world where that's actually I was going to say where I didn't know anyone who went to prison, but that's not true because my uncle went to federal prison for many years, actually. 
But we were not writing letters to him and he was not writing letters to us. And I've act- I actually know like very little about his time there. I think he was there for three or four years at least. Um, I just don't I don't know that much about it because we don't really talk to him. And I don't know. We just like never talked about it and like just pretended it never happened. Basically, <laughs> I do remember one year he called at Christmas and we like passed the phone around to him. But in general, I just like didn't know people in my life that went to jail. So I didn't really know anything about it. I mean, I would watch that show. Was it just called Jail? What was it called? Locked Up? I think it was called Locked Up. That was on a channel that I used to watch that I can maybe Discovery when I used to watch live TV. But I would watch like those shows. But I just like didn't know that much about going to jail. And I really didn't know that in prison, obviously, there's like a whole underground market, right? And like there's a bartering system and you use commissary items to buy stuff. And if you are an artist, it's actually a really good hustle because people like to like buy stuff from you to send to their family. So if you have like a loved one in jail, you might get like some beautifully drawn cards. Like my ex would sometimes get pay for which lol because I would put money on his fucking book so really I I bought this for myself at quite a markup but he would send me these like beautifully hand-drawn of course cards to that he would like buy from somebody um there's lots of like different skills that you can have in prison or jail that you can basically like hustle on the side and this person I guess sewed together old prison socks (laughs) to make little stuffed animals and then sewed their names on the front of them. (laughs) That really made me laugh. Like, I I don't know. There's just something so funny about the idea of him getting home from prison and be like, I have gifts. (laughs) Oh, lots of talk about how they want, you know, Butch to stay sober and Butch guarantees that he will make it through his probation and stay or his parole for two years and stay sober, which I'm pretty sure he does, right? I know he doesn't say sober, obviously, but he does make it off parole, right? Because I kind of seem, or maybe he fucks up right at the end. Because I seem to remember them talking about how, like, they think that the freedom, like, the idea of freedom fucked with his brain, and that's when he messed up again. I can't totally remember, but obviously he doesn't say sober. So, Tyler and Caitlin are getting married in a couple of weeks and Butch is going to be home for it and Butch is going to come and Tyler, Caitlin and Butch are talking about the wedding and they're like, yeah, Brandon, Teresa and Carly are going to be there. And Tyler's like, I haven't even told them that you're coming and I'm not going to tell them. (laughs) Tyler's like, they know family will be there and your family, so they just need to deal with it. And even Butch was like, "Um, I'd like rather that not be a thing. He's like, I want to know what I'm supposed to say to them, what they're going to say to me. He's like, I really don't want to surprise them. And it's like, Tyler, if Butch is being the rational one, like, you know, you need to step off. But clearly they didn't want to tell Brandon and Teresa. And I don't remember if they do or not, but they didn't want to tell them because Brandon and Teresa, that would be a big reason to say that they weren't going to come. I do remember there being a lot of talk of like, I'm definitely going to rewatch that episode. I mean, obviously coming up a lot of talk of like, who Carly could talk to at the wedding, which I get on the end of Brandon and Teresa, right? 
And I also understand like them being okay with April and Kim and like drawing a hard line at Butch. Like he had just gotten out of four years in prison for assault, for domestic violence, for a serious violent crime. Like I don't think it's unreasonable that they would maybe reconsider coming knowing that Butch is going to be there. And it's like, yeah, realistically, like Butch isn't going to do anything at their wedding. And it's like probably not an actual risk. But I can understand them being like, you know, we're going <laughs> to we're going to see the rest of your messy ass family. We're going to let Carly talk to Kim and Carly talk to April and we're going to do all of this. But we just prefer like Butch not be around her. Like, I think that's totally fair. I also hope that they told Brandon and Teresa because I would be really mad. But at the same time, it's like, you know, he's Tyler's dad <laughs> at the same time, at the same time. You have an open adoption, Brennan and Teresa. You got your baby, which, by the way, in the doctor's episode, they're talking about positive adoption language, which is good. But uh, like one of the doctors is like, so how do you feel about giving your baby up for adoption? And Caitlin, like a fucking boss, is like, we don't say that. We say that we uh, placed her for adoption. And Tyler's like, we're using positive adoption language. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. okay, good for you. Um, But... I mean, they seemed really assertive in a way that I appreciated. But like to defend Caitlin and Tyler here, like Brandon and Teresa got a baby placed with them through a couple that wanted to have an open adoption, which they agreed to semi open, whatever. They fucking agreed to it. And these teenagers, these extremely poor teenagers who placed this baby with your family because of their extremely poor family and their abusive parents like that's all part of the deal right and like if you are going to hold up your end of the open adoption that's who comes with Caitlin and Tyler and I know a lot of people will be like just close the adoption which is such a sick fucking thing to say by the way it's so fucked up when people say that. I'm like, you need to truly like turn off this television show because you want to hurt Carly in an effort to like punish Caitlin and Tyler. And that's, it's just really gross. But like I said, I can totally understand Brandon and Teresa being like, the line is butch. And I think that is a fair line to have. But I also don't think Tyler's wrong where he's like, yeah, they're, they know my family's going to be there and he's family. Like, this is who we are. This is our life. And they've agreed to be a part of it because they have, because they wanted that baby. So, like, I don't know. You got that little white healthy baby that you wanted, the beautiful, beautiful baby little girl that you waited ever how many years for and paid to Bethany Christian Services however much fucking money. You can be at a wedding with Butch. Like, <laughs> Carly is not going to be harmed by that. So, yeah, I don't know. I go like I go back and forth with that. It's just it's complex like adoption is. Adoption is incredibly complex. And we as a society have made it not complex by using this really flowery language. Adoption is a gift. It's the greatest gift. You are giving a gift to another family like that. It's a Carly's a person <laughs> and that per that gift that Brandon and Teresa received came from two very real people who have very real families and it's part of the deal it just is so I don't know I don't know where I fall on that I'm looking forward to actually watching these episodes leading up to the wedding and the wedding um with my 
fresh adoption eyes. I am trying <laughs> trying to like reel in my personal point of view on adoption because right now I know I'm in a space that's like pretty it's not anti-adoption. I don't think that's actually fair to say. But it's definitely like more on the extreme side of viewing the harms of adoption. And that's because my work is with two adult adoptees that work exclusively with adopted and fostered children who see all of the bads and they had really bad experiences and they want to like bring awareness to the fact that it's not like this rosy gift that we always talk about. And so I'm like very much in the trenches of that. And I am trying to like reel that in a little bit for this podcast because I do think that like I'm in a little, not in a little bit, I'm in a big echo chamber. If you want to read something really interesting, actually this week, ABC News and ProPublica put out an article about um, 25 years ago, Congress like passed an act that allowed the termination. I think Congress did. I've already like my brain is mush. (laughs) They focused on West Virginia, but I'm pretty sure it was a federal act too. But basically, the laws changed in which like the termination of parental rights was like greatly spread up. And this was 25 years ago. And so they were doing this big like basically like expose on how many children have been placed into the system and had their like biological family terminated from them essentially because of these laws. It's really interesting. And look, like some people need their rights terminated. I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I am saying the more you read about the system, the more fucked up it feels. (laughs) I guess that's what I'm trying to say. That article was by ProPublica and ABC News, if I didn't say that. Okay, let's talk about Farah. who, oh my God, am I thrilled to be back with Farah? Now, am I going to be filled, thrilled? Am I going to be thrilled to be back with Farah for a long time? Probably not, because I know the novelty of Farah wears off quite quick. But am I having fun? And we haven't even gotten a good Deborah episode. <laughs> we haven't even gotten a good Deborah episode. Oh, I can't wait for a good Deborah episode. So Farah has been with Simon for four months and he's coming to meet Sophia for the first time. And I want to be clear. I do not think that kids are bad, right? Like I think that's a very declarative term. I think we need to be really careful the way that we talk about kids. It's not fair to be like you're bad because Sophia is like six years old in this episode and she's clearly reacting to her situation and the way that she's being parenting parented not parenting (laughs) the way that she's being parented so I I'm totally empathetic to that and I want to like make that clear off the bat but for the sake of conversation I am going to talk about Sophia being bad because she is acting really fucking bad in these episodes it's kind of shocking honestly I don't know why it's it's not like she's burning down their house like it's not that but and it it's really more of a commentary on Farah and her grandparents who are with her like just the way that Sophia knows that she can act is <laughs> so bad I would have very little tolerance for being around her I find a child I've talked about this before I think manners are like extremely fucking important like extremely important and you know, when my nieces like try and interrupt us while we're talking, like I make it a point and Theo does too, but we're always like, we're speaking. 
And we like we're like, stop, we're speaking, we're having a conversation and we make them stop and wait because you're not allowed to just like interrupt people, which I know I interrupt everybody that's ever been on this podcast. I know that. (laughs) But you're not allowed to just talk over other people's conversations. And I mean, we're telling the four year old that like this is not (laughs) Sophia is not too young for that is what I'm saying. And the way that Sophia just like screams over Farah and Simon makes me full body cringe. It's such bad behavior. She's constantly acting out for attention. Uh, Farah, (laughs) I forgot how bad at parenting Farah is. And I stand by that. I'm sure there are some Farah parenting defenders. And the one that always gets me, people are like, well, she didn't have another kid. And it's like, okay, congrats. (laughs) She did, she did do that. But Farah is an extremely bad parent. She has, and she's always been like this, right? Like she has no idea what age appropriate conversation is. She has no ability to have like age appropriate expectations with Sophia. So she basically vacillates between giving into Sophia's every whim and then like screaming at Sophia. And it must be so confusing for a child. I can't imagine like living in a home like that. Um, You know, my home had its own dysfunction. (laughs) Please don't get me wrong. Like, it's not like I came from a good home. But Farrah just like, she doesn't know what she's doing. It's so clear that she doesn't know what she's doing. And Farrah is extremely immature. And I really am not a person who likes to talk about narcissism. I am not one of those people who declares every asshole to be a narcissist. Like, it really isn't a term... I don't really call people narcissists that often. I mean, you could probably be like, Liz, we listen to your podcast and we hear you say that all the time and that is possible. But do remember, please, that I go into fugue states when I record these. But in my day-to-day life, like it's rare that I'm calling someone a narcissist. I just, (laughs) it's just such an overused term. Like everything is narc abuse, right? I do think Farah is quite narcissistic. Like, I mean, Farah probably has a personality disorder. Who fucking knows what one it is, right? Who actually knows what's going on with Farah? I think she told Dr. Drew once that she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, which is very possible. Um, But then she acted like she didn't know she told him that. (laughs) She was on his podcast once and it was so weird. It was such a weird interview. And that she also said that Deb had autism. (laughs) It's not funny. It's really not funny, but it... It's just so silly coming from Farah. But to me, it's like it's so clear that Farah like only sees the world through Farah's eyes and she has no desire to allow anyone else's point of view, including her daughter's, like make any sort of effect on her life. And I think that's still true today. I will say like, I mean, I hope I like the one thing I'm like, I'm glad Farah lets her dress how she wants. (laughs) But, like, I deeply worry for Sophia, the fact that she's not in a traditional school. I really worry that she's being abused and there are not, like, safety checks around her. I really worry about the trips that Vera takes her on, um, how often she's left alone in hotel rooms in foreign countries and how scary that probably is. Like, I just, I really, really feel for Sophia. And watching this, I really was like, wow, Farrah is really narcissistic. And I know you guys are going to be like, no doy, bitch. Like, <laughs> but something, we should bring back no doy, by the way. But something about watching these episodes, it like really, really stuck out for me. So 
this episode, the first episode starts with uh, Farrah going out to dinner with Paula, her friend. And by the way, Farrah looks so good. Like her face, her hair, her skin. Like she, I was like, it is so sad that she did not stop here. Like this is to me like the prettiest era of Farrah. And Farrah's worried about Simon and Sophia not getting along. And she's like, I want to be engaged with Simon within a year. He says that I need to wait two years before he even talks about it. But like, I need to be engaged within a year. I'm not waiting two years. And I need Sophia and Simon to get along for that to happen. And it's like, sure, sure. And up next, we get the first scene where I was like, wow, Farrah does not give this girl age appropriate tasks. Remember, Sophia's five or six in this scene. So they're getting ready to go pick Simon up at the airport. By the way, I want to point out that Farrah is like head to toe in Ann Taylor Loft <laughs> this whole era. It, everything she's wearing is like a realtor's business professional. It's so weird. <laughs> like everything. And I don't think that this was like especially like trendy at the time. Like she's dressed like a 45 year old realtor. I really I don't understand it. I guess she was like really obsessed with being a businesswoman at this point in time. But she's getting ready. And Sophia's job, I guess, is to like get the dogs and put them in their little carriers, which I didn't see the dogs come with them to the airport. I think they're in like car- like handheld carriers that you would bring through TSA with you, right? I think she left the dogs in those while she was out of the house. Like, I don't think they have crates. They're little dogs, but like, I, I we know that Farrah does not treat her animals well. But Sophia, like, gets one of them in the carrier and then is trying to get the other dog. And she goes, Mommy, can you... Can you put the other doggy in? I'm not good with him. And Farrah turns around and she's like, Sophia, you are not doing what I ask you to do. Those dogs are your responsibility. They are your responsibility. You need to be doing what I'm asking you to do. And I'm like, first of all, that is entirely too young for like a a child at five, six, seven, really even eight. Like a dog cannot be their responsibility because they're children. Like they are, a dog is, two little dogs are a six-year-old Sophia's responsibility. I don't even think six-year-olds should really have like, well, that's not true. I think it's fine for like, you have your six-year-old like get up, make their bed. Like they do have responsibilities. I was going to say six-year-olds shouldn't have responsibilities. That's not true. I do think that they should. I think they should pick up after themselves, blah, blah, blah. But the idea of them having the responsibility of full-time caretaking for a dog or two. Uh, It doesn't sit right with me. And Farah is like totally setting herself up to fail because a six-year-old cannot take care of a fucking dog by herself. (laughs) And like she's telling you, I can't get the dog in the crate. And instead of like just going and helping her, Farah screams at her that she's not doing what she wants. Oh, it's so bad. So they're on the way to the airport and Sophia's just like, I want to I want to see Simon. I want to see Simon. Like over and over and over again. It's so mm, it's really the way that Sophia's uh talking about Simon in both of these episodes is sad and concerning to me and I don't mean in a like gross way. 
no, not, not, not at all. I do. I'm not accusing Simon of that in any way, shape or form, but it's so clear that like Farah has made it known to Sophia that like her goal is to get married and like she will be getting married. And so Sophia is now kind of obsessed with Farah getting married and she is like, Simon's your boyfriend. You love Simon. Are you going to get married? Like she's just like very involved in a way that to me doesn't seem right or appropriate. So they pick Simon up. (laughs) (laughs) Sophia's wild and out. Like (laughs) just peak needing attention. So like Simon turns around to look at her and she goes, don't look at me. Look at her. Like about her mom. And at one point she's pulling the seatbelt. That, like up against his neck and someone's like Sophia's trying to choke me out and Farrah's like Sophia sit down Sophia come on Sophia sit down and then she goes mama are you serious that you want to get married <laughs> and Farrah's <goes>, Sophia <laughs> like, it's so sick it's so sick so they get home, they give Simon a little house tour, Simon and Michael go to dinner, and everybody's like getting along and doing well. And when it's um time for Farah and Simon to like have their own date, they go out and they're talking about things, and Farah's like, okay, so, you know, what are, like, how serious are you? And he's like, well, I, I don't know, I, I can't give you a decent answer. <laughs> And he goes, well, let me ask you, like, what what are you feeling? How serious do you think we are? And she says, all I know is I'm not waiting two years to get engaged to you. Two years, that's for ugly girls. (laughs) A truly iconic, a truly iconic line. I love that so much. That's for ugly girls. (laughs) Oh, when Simon leaves, Fair takes him to the airport and they have such a weird moment. And once again, this is what I mean. Like Farrah just like gives into Sophia's whims in a way that I find very strange. So they're leaving for the airport and Sophia's like, I want you to sit in the back. And Farrah goes, get in the back seat. And he's like, what? And I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, no, (laughs) no. And what I would have said is I would have said, hey, Sophia, I'm going to sit in the front seat, but we can still talk. Okay. Like that, but no, that's not how Farrah does things. Farrah's like, Simon, get in the back seat. And he's like, I, I, I don't want to sit in the back seat. And she's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Heather, you're going to drive us and all three of us are going to sit in the back seat. And Simon's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, and this isn't really a defense of Simon because like you're dating Farrah, you know what you're getting into. Like you it's clear what Simon wanted out of this. Like he wanted the clout, whatever. But if I was in Simon's position there, I'd have been like, I'll sit in the front. But he knows that he can't. And Farrah's like picking a fight with him. Like, why are you crabby? Why are you being so crabby? And she's like reaching over Sophia to like hit the back of his head. And she's just being awful. And he's like, I'm just, he's like, I'm just not, I'm just not in a great mood because he's like clearly just so just in such a weird situation and she's so like they're sitting with Sophie in the middle of them and Heather's driving (laughs) and Farrah's like babe do you think I'm pushing you to be with Sophia too much uh what Farrah then Sophia goes 
I feel like he's tricking me. <laughs> and Farrah goes, yeah, he is. Like, he's pretending like he likes you, and now he's being all crabby. Farrah. Farrah, girl, what are you doing? Sophia then shortly falls asleep, and she's, like, laying on Farrah, and Farrah, like, picks her up and moves her to Simon's leg, like, her head into Simon's lap, and he's like, why are you forcing this? And she's like, "Ah, I'm not. She naturally fell that way. It's just, it's so fucking weird. It's so weird. Um, In the second episode, it starts with her having broken up with Simon two weeks ago, but she regrets it, and she's going to see him. Because he's in Texas visiting a friend and she's not letting Sophia come because she doesn't want Sophia to get attached to Simon again. And first, Sophia has a fucking meltdown. She gets into the car, refuses to get out, is screaming that she wants to see Simon. And they're like, Sophia, because Michael's there. Sophia, get out of the car right now. Get out of the car right now. Like, they just have no control over this girl. (laughs) Oh, she's been so bad and fair, just like, has no fucking clue what to do. So Farrah and Simon meet up and they have like the weirdest conversation where Farrah is like, you know, we're not dating because you're immature, selfish, and you don't want to think about anybody else. And Simon's like, well, you have an attitude. And Farrah's like, no, you have a worse attitude with me. And she's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to sit here and do this. This is bullshit. So they like get up and leave. And she's on the phone with Heather or whatever afterwards. And she's like, I don't need someone acting like I have a bad attitude and putting me in a bad attitude because they're dumb. And this is when I was like, gee, That is like just such a narcissistic thing to say. Like, it's not possible that I have a bad attitude. But if you are really rude to me, it is possible that because of your actions, I'm going to then be in a bad mood. It can never be myself. Only you could be responsible for that is basically what she's saying. So she gets home and Sophia's like, where's Simon? I want Simon to be here. Oh, my God. Uh, So they all go to San Diego. Michael, Sophia and Farah. they do a little trip to the zoo. And um, after the wedding, I guess Farah and Simon like hook up at the wedding and he sends her like six dozen roses and they're all happy. So they're going to go to dinner and... (laughs) They sit down. They're in like this private room. It actually looked really chic. I do remember like when Farrah was dating Simon that they were like super foodies and went to all these really chic, nice restaurants and me being really jealous because I love a nice restaurant. But Farrah like almost immediately starts picking at him. So where do you see us? What do you do? And like to be fair to Farrah, like she breaks up with him. They hook up at a wedding. He sends her all of these roses. Like, yeah, that I get being like, so do you want to be back together or not? But Farah, you know, has no ability <laughs> to do this in like a normal human way. And so he's like, look, I just I really don't want to rush things. And she goes, I'm not rushing things, Simon. I don't rush things. I have conversations. And she's just yelling. He's like, I, I, I don't know what to say. She's not letting him get a word in edgewise. And he's like, you keep interrupting me. You don't let me finish. And she goes, go ahead, bitch. Finish. (laughs) 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 Then they somehow I was like very confused how they got here, but they did in which 
Simon is saying like, don't tell me I'm a bad influence on your daughter. And Farrah's like, you are a bad influence on my daughter. And he's like, how am I a bad influence on your daughter? I never see the kid. And she goes, the kid? My daughter? Her name is Sophia. (laughs) And Sophia, she wants to see you. She wants to hang out with you. It's so fucking weird. And she's like, the kid? The kid? And he's like, Farrah, no, stop. I'm done. And Farrah's like, you know what? No, I'm done. And she gets up and walks out. It is is truly the most bizarre fight. She's like, Sophia wants to see you and hang out with you. God, I I don't miss Farrah on the show because I actually think that like this behavior gets incredibly grating right after a little bit. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but like in these small doses and these throwback episodes, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun watching her. All right, let's round it up with Amber, who we get a scene of her with Cousin Crystal, and she's going out with Matt and Crystal and Crystal's kids. We get a scene of Gary and his brother talking about Matt, and they're like, should we Google him? Should we see what the tabloids are saying? And Gary goes, yeah, Google uh, Matt's Amber's boyfriend, Matt. He has a long arrest record. He has multiple DUIs and whatever. Larceny charges all of his issues. And they're like, damn, it's not so much that like he has all of these charges is that Amber like jumped into a relationship with him immediately. So we go back to dinner and Amber and Matt are talking about how Amber's picture pictures, how Amber's neighbors are taking pictures of them. And they're like, you know, it's just like it's just so hard because like I try and tell Matt this is what it is but like it's not fair and Matt's like you know I just I don't mind the news as long as it's real but like this is fake I've never went to jail it's saying I went to jail it's saying I don't have a job and Amber goes yeah he has a job in HR Mm, excuse me (laughs) she goes or well he had an interview (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he had an interview over the phone, right, Matt? Didn't he? And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next day, Amber's supposed to get Leah from after school. They're going to hang out, and then they're going to go to this, like, disgusting fuck place. Like, tr- it's the fantasy suites. Like, it, they have a big round bed, like a, a two-person jacuzzi. Like, it's gross. I can't even imagine how many people fucked in there. Blah. so gross uh but Leah gets sick so Gary calls her around 11 and she doesn't answer and he sends a text saying 911 and he's like can you go pick Leah up from school he doesn't hear back from her so within five minutes so he has Christina go because the nurse called like they can't wait like a half hour hour like he gave her the chance did he need to text her like 911 probably not but he gave her the chance to go get her and you can't just like wait because Amber's unpredictable and it's 11 o'clock and Amber doesn't wake up till one. So she calls back and Gary's like, well, Christina just left. But like, do you want me to have her like, do you want to go get her? And she's like, well, why would I go get her if Christina's already going? Gary's like, I can just have her turn around. She just left. And Amber goes, the only reason you want me to go get her is so that you, I will take her to the doctor and I'll pay for it. And Gary's like, well, yeah like he's like that's not the only reason you were supposed to get her that's why I'm asking if you want to get her and I'm like I yeah I would like for you to pay for it because you have only paid child support three times in the last year 
Whoop. I forgot that like they were in this weird period of time in which they didn't have like a custody or child support order. I th- I don't think they had a child support order. And I do remember them being an ongoing issue that Amber wouldn't pay, but not <laughs> not because she didn't have the money. She just like was too lazy to pay. And so she would pay him these lump sums at once, which that tells you everything you need to know about Amber, right? Like that she has the money sitting in her bank account, but she's like too her executive function is so bad that she can't even send it. So back on Amber's side, she's like, I think Gary just wants to control and bully me. You know, I, the only reason he wants me to do this now is so that he'll pay, I'll pay for it, blah, blah, blah. Just being like really, really nasty. So Amber does go and get her from school and, or I guess Christina gets her and then Amber comes to the house to pick her up. And they're going to let Leah spend the night because she's sick and she won't be able to go to school the next day. And I guess Gary said to her on the way out, you know, the only reason you're having her overnight is because she's not going to go to school tomorrow. And Amber's like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. This is fucking ridiculous. All I do in my life is go through hell. I was a drug addict. I went to court. I went to prison. I'm not going through hell anymore. And it's like, Amber... Oh my God, woe is me. Everything bad always happens to Amber. And I'm sure she really does feel that way. And you guys know I always feel a little sad about Amber because I think that she really does feel this way that she's expressing and she has no idea like how to get out of it. So instead of instead of taking Leah to Amber's home where she could rest they decide they're gonna just take her to the sex suite with them which is fucking crazy and on the way there Amber's like I want to start bringing you to school boo boo and Leah goes I know you could do I wish you could but my dad my dad doesn't want you to (laughs) Leah in these episodes is really interesting to me because she's really starting to learn how to play both sides and I hate to say that she's manipulating the situation because I don't think six-year-olds like I don't love to use the term manipulate when it comes to a six-year-old, right? (laughs) Like, much like I don't like to call a kid bad, like with Sophia, what Leah's doing is obviously just a reaction to the situation she's in. Leah's always been really, like, emotionally mature, which is probably also a reaction to the situation she's in. But from a pretty young age, she seemed hyper aware of Amber's moods and what's going on with Gary and the fighting. And I think at this point in time, she's become real aware of like, if I tell mommy this, I need to tell daddy this. And like, they're going to fight. And I wonder if she almost likes them fighting because they interact and it's all that she knows. But she's really starting to like play them off of each other in a way that I find like very sad to watch because I don't because I don't believe six-year-olds are out here like trying to actively manipulate their parents. I think it's just like very sad to watch a child in this situation doing the behavior that she has learned to do, right? So they're at the fantasy suites and Leah is like on the way there, she's like crying because she thinks she's going to throw up. And then as soon as she gets there, she's like, wee, this is so fun. And there are like rose petals everywhere. There's like Egyptian murals on the wall. It's insane that they brought her there. Like it, it's truly fucking crazy. So I guess I was a little confused by this, but I guess Leah was feeling bad better so they take her home so she can go to school the next day or something and 
Gary is like, you know, they drop her off. And I was asking, like, I made Leah a doctor's appointment for tomorrow. So I was asking Amber to take her. And Amber is saying she's not sick anymore. And Gary is like, yeah, but she doesn't have a fever is what you're saying. Like, I think she's still sick. She could have an ear infection. And Amber's like, you're being stupid. And like, this is really like the day to day shit that Amber doesn't know about. And Gary is right. He's like, Amber doesn't know what it's like to have a sick kid. She doesn't know what you need to do to take care of a sick kid, which is really true. Uh, They do have Heather and Gary have this entire conversation in front of Leah, (laughs) which is why she's doing what she's doing with her parents. Right. But Gary is like, I I just I don't know how to deal with her because she is really irrational, basically. Gary says he wants her to take a parenting class, which, yeah, she probably should. Okay, so Bubba, you know, Amber's brother Bubba, comes into town. And so Matt and Amber go to meet up with Bubba, his wife, their kids, and her mom, Christy. And basically they get Amber alone Bubba's sister or Bubba's wife comes up and like basically asks Matt to go somewhere so that it can just be the family. And, you know, Bubba's just really, he's really concerned. He's like, you know, we haven't had much family time. You really haven't like been talking to us. And she's like, I've been busy. And Sean says the, like, I laughed out loud. He goes, you haven't been that busy. (laughs) He's like, bitch, you are not busy. Busy doing what? (laughs) She goes, well, I got into this new relationship. And he's like, yeah, and that's what I want to talk to you about. Like, I just want you to know that this is moving really quickly and we're concerned. And Amber, of course, gets really defensive. And she's like, Matt is not mooching off of me, okay? He's not not expecting me to pay for everything. He has a job. And Sean goes, but has he gotten paid yet? And she goes, "Mm, no, and kind of laughs. But she's like, he's not mooching off of me. I love him. I'm so happy. And she goes, if I find out he's lying about something big, he's out. He's done. I was trying to remember if the kids stuff came up in this season or next season. I kind of think it comes up early in the next season, but it must have come up. I wonder, though, if like we as an audience didn't really know they were dating until the show started airing again. And so then the stuff about him doesn't come out until they're like filming the next season when the show is airing. Because that would make sense, especially at that time period. Amber's never been super active on social media, except for like her unhinged Instagram lives, right? But she's never been like like Janelle or Leah or whatever and like posting every detail of her life. So it seems very possible to me that we didn't really know much about Matt And remember, like, OG had been off the air. A lot of people weren't following Amber closely. So I wonder if at this time she didn't know about all the kids. And she's like, I've told Matt. If there's a big lie, he's out. I'm done. (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) Okay, so in the second episode, um, Amber's moved to a new home. And Gary is taking Leah to Florida. Florida? Why did I say that? So weird. To Florida. After Leah leaves, Amber's like, you know, it just sucks because Gary gets to take her anywhere he wants. He gets to do anything and to do everything with her. I have to ask permission. And I do agree that sucks. Like that is a really frustrating situation to be in. And 
once again, it's just like Gary's trying to control us. Gary's trying to control me. All Gary wants is control. And I go back and forth on this because I do think Gary is a pretty unhealthy person. And I definitely think there's an element of him like loving getting one over on Amber, right? By like being able to control the situation. But I also think like Amber can't get Leah to school. She can't reliably pick up Leah after school. Leah can't sleep over there on weeknights because she won't go to bed and she won't do her homework and she won't do her reading. Like it, I think it's both, right? Like Gary is kind of a controlling asshole, but also the situation justifies it. So what are they really supposed to do? Matt is like, we need to get a lawyer. It is time to get a lawyer. So they go to a meeting with the lawyer and basically, you know, they discuss that Gary has full custody and the court is like, or the court, the lawyer's just like, the court will just want to see that there's been like a substantial change in you to justify changing custody. And Matt is like, well, what about visitation? And she's like, yeah, that would definitely happen. And Amber's like, I want to do this outside of court. Like, I don't want to go to court. I want us just to be able to work on it. And her lawyer's like, yep, absolutely. The lawyers can help with that. And I do think that's what ends up happening. I think they agree. I don't think they ever like go full court. I think they might go to a mediator, not like with James and Andrew. Like, I, I don't think it gets to that. Um, So when they're back from Disney, Gary brings Leah over to spend the night. <sighs> Gary brings Leah inside and Leah is being weird, like unlike her. And she's being weird and she's being shy. And Gary's like, OK, you're going to spend the night here, right? And she goes, I don't know. And Amber starts to get mad. Amber goes, no, no, I, I'm not doing this. You want to go with your dad? Go with your dad. Seriously, go. <laughs> Gary's like, no, she's just in a weird mood. Like she wants to stay. And Amber's like, no, no, this was a waste of everyone's time. You coming here. She's saying this all in front of Amber or in front of Leah. And she's like, I, I don't want this. Just go. Just leave. And on the way out of the car, you know, Gary asks a few times, like, are you sure you want to go? They cut back into Amber, who she actually like, I don't know how I feel about this because Amber has like calmed down a little bit and she's using like a much softer tone of voice. But like when she was speaking to Lee and Gary, she was like, no, mm -mm, mm -mm. but then she's like in the house. She's like, I just I really don't want to like make her do things that she doesn't want to do. Which I definitely get to an extent, but at the same time, like once again, if it goes back to that parenting thing, it's like you make her stay. And I don't know. I get Amber being like, I'm not going to force her to do things that she doesn't want to do. But I also think that Amber is not thinking of Leah at all in this situation. I think the moment she felt like pushed away by Leah and we know that Amber has borderline personality disorder and... I would not be surprised if like immediately she kind of went into attack mode and is like, I don't want Leah here if she doesn't want me. And I, I don't think she holds on to that feeling. I think it's just like her sudden reaction. And you see how like kind of quick she flips out of it. But it it's clear to me at least that that's what she's projecting. Like Leah doesn't want to be here. I don't want her to be here. Instead of being like, okay, well, why don't you just stay for a little bit and then Gary, why don't you stay? Let's all eat dinner. You know, like <laughs> jumping right to like leave, then just leave. Christina's out in the car. Bring Christina and Emily in. Like, let's go. There's just options. And Amber doesn't want to do any of those options because she's hurt. And when she's hurt, she like immediately goes to the next level. <sighs> so 
Leah gets in the car and Christina's like, are you really sure that you don't want to go to your mom's? And this is what Leah says. She makes me upset. She's not fun like you. She doesn't want to spend time with me or anything. All she wants to do is let Matt do everything. All she does is stay in bed. She sleeps longer and she stays at the house all the time. She's always home a lot. Oh, gosh. Now, do I think all of that is accurate? Yes. Do I think maybe Leah's parroting Gary and Christina? Also, yes. You know, I think two things can be true. (laughs) I don't think that, like, Leah can't agree with it, but I think that she's being very clear with, like, or clear to her, like, what she's trying to get across with Gary and Christina is that at that moment, she doesn't want to go to Amber's house, so she's going to feed back to them the things that she knows to be true about her mom. So, Gary goes inside to talk to Amber and Gary's like, look, she's a little kid. She's just in a weird mood. Like, just it's fine. She's like not upset with you. And Amber's like, I just don't want her to do things that she doesn't want to do. Gary's like, but she's a kid. Like, you you can't give in to her all of the time. And Amber's like, you know what? This is why we need 50-50. She needs to be on a schedule. And I think this like weird every once in a while visits isn't good for her. And you know what? I actually agree with that. I, it probably wasn't good for her, Right. I just don't think that Amber would ever be able to have 50-50 custody with anybody. Um, <laughs> Gary is like, oh, my God. And she goes, give me a reason right now that we can't 50-50. And he's like, Amber, there are plenty of reasons. And she goes, so name one. Just name one. And Gary's like, if I name one, we're going to have a fight. I don't want to do that. And Amber's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you can't. There's nothing wrong. There's no reason. You just don't want to. And Gary, <laughs> Gary makes a really good point where he goes, Amber, this is why. He's like, you're escalating this into a fight over nothing. He's like, I, the way that you're reacting right now is why you don't have 50-50 custody. And he's exactly right, right? Like why this moment, instead of Amber and Gary being able to sit down and being like, hey, how do we want to deal with this going forward? Like, okay, you take Leah home tonight, but because Gary clearly came in to talk like wanting to have a conversation. And the fact that they can't just Amber can't sit down with him and be like, okay, so it's fine if she just goes home tonight, but like in the future, how do we want to deal with this? I'm going to be honest, like I'm pretty hurt right now. I don't, I don't know how to handle this. This has never happened with Leah. Boo Boo is usually not like this. Like, what do you think we should do? Like the fact that she immediately is looking for a fight, she wants to gut for 50-50 custody. She's yelling at Gary. Like he's right. This is why they can't have 50-50 custody. Because Amber has an inability to co-parent with people. And I think that's why she didn't get 50% legal custody of James, too. Because I think the courts see that she has an inability to, like, co-parent. And there needs to be somebody in charge that's not Amber. Because Amber is not interested in co-parenting. And we've seen it this whole time she's been on the fucking show, right? So then Leah randomly, oh, well, Gary's, like, this is he's like this is crazy I don't say things because I know it's going to start a fight now we're gonna have a fight I don't want to do this I'm gonna leave and as soon as he walks out Amber goes I'm sorry but Gary is not a good father this shit right here is why I should have custody this is bullshit (laughs) Amber (laughs) Leah then comes back inside in which I was heavily confused about to like bring their new little dog inside I was like what? (laughs) Where did she come? I thought she was in the car and they were leaving. The timeline of events in this little scene was very confusing to me. 
And Amber's like, why don't you want to spend time with mommy? And then Leah, remember, she has just told Christina that Amber is not fun like they are, that she never wants to spend time with Leah, that Matt does everything. She then says to Amber, and I, I, this happens in the same scene. I mean, she's wearing, they're wearing the same outfit. So this is happening on the same day, apparently within minutes of one another. And Leah goes, well, you know, I didn't really get to spend time with my daddy. Even in Disney, he didn't go where I wanted to go. And Amber's like, what? What do you mean? And she's like, well, I went with Christina. And then they do a weird cut. And I realized they were cutting out Christina's daughter's name. But Christina, weird cut, Emily. And like, we just went and like daddy would say back. I was kind of confused as to what she was saying. I think maybe she was saying Gary didn't go to the park, which I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked by if he didn't do the whole park with them. Like Disney is a lot of walking at this point. I mean, Gary is in better shape now. I think it, he's actually I re- like watching this. So I was like, wow, Gary has lost a lot of weight. I think working on his farm like he's just at a much higher physical level, which is great. But I wouldn't be surprised if he like couldn't walk all of Disney. Right. Like I people go there and walk like 20 miles in a day. So I wouldn't be shocked if like Christina was in charge of like taking the girls to more rides. But I Leah knows what she knows what she's saying, but in a child way. Right. Like she knows that that's going to get a reaction from Amber. She doesn't know like the long term consequences of what she's saying. I should be clear. Leah leaves and Amber's like, what the fuck? Gary Damon spent time with them in Florida. What the fuck? And it's like, Amber. But that scene is like really interesting for Leah to watch her go from what she's telling Gary and Christina to what she's telling Amber. Mm, Poor little Leah. All right. That's it for me. I hope everybody has a lovely Christmas. If you celebrate, I will talk to you again in 2023. I guess that will be like, I don't know, January 8th or something. Is it that? Yeah, I think it's like then. So have a good Christmas and a happy new year. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains if you want to hear more from me. Okay, bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.